In the rugged and remote Taranaki region of New Zealand runs a Waimeti stream and the isolated Manuka forests, home to the bees that produce some of the most natural, pure Manuka honey in the world. Manuka honey is a great daily immune booster, digestive remedy and an anti-inflammatory. It's also a great alternative to sugar and a powerful ingredient for longevity. Waimeti honey is a high-quality New Zealand Manuka honey now available in Australia at Woolworths right around the country. And even better, every time you buy Waimeti honey, 10% of your purchase goes towards the regeneration of hive numbers to increase the world bee population. More honey, more healing, and more health for humanity. Waimeti honey. Find it now in Woolworths stores right around Australia. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Damien Christoph and Dr. Brett Hill. Hey, Brett. Hey, Damo. What are you working on at the moment, mate? Well, I'm working on a few things, Damo. I'm writing a book, but what I've just finished working on is my Art of Natural Running e-course, oh. and I'm really excited about it. So, you know, I've been going around Australia doing this uh, this live course where I was teaching people how to run naturally, and uh, and what I realized was that I couldn't get around to everybody uh, and that it was hard to get around to everybody all around Australia and even outside of Australia, people who wanted to learn about how to run naturally and how to run it more easily, how to make it more fun and how to get less injuries. And so I decided to put it all together into e-course, which is about five and a half hours worth of video content. Oh, far out. That's unbelievable. Where do people find it? So they can find it at theartofnaturalrunning.com and they'll be able to hear not just from me, but from experts like Danny Dreyer from Chi Running. We've got Kim Morrison. We've got Kelly Starrett from Mobility Ward. And we've even got a guy called The Barefoot Podiatrist, who's my favorite. Good bloke. <laughs> so theartofnaturalrunning.com. Hi, this is Damien Christoph. And this is Brett Hill. Hey, Bretto. Hey, mate. Good chat today. I like this one. Yeah. Getting a bit of a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Almost a little bit contentious, but at the same time, it all makes a lot of sense. And you kind of think, oh, far out. You know, have we been harshly judging dietitians? Yeah. Yeah, he was good. I enjoyed the chat. I thought it was really good to get a perspective. I like the fact that he was a nutritionist first and then became a dietitian. And, mm. uh, you know, sometimes people think those two can't coexist, let alone be in, in the one person. So I thought it was good <laughs> to get a little bit of perspective, which was great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also a really good thing to remember. You just can't judge um, a profession on one person. And I think this goes for everything. I think it's not just a profession. It's it's groups of people, it's suburbs, yeah. it's the type of car that you drive, it's all those sorts of things you just can't judge. And, you know, the, this this interview with Ryan was excellent. I thought that, um, you know, as a, as a dietitian, I was expecting, you know, kind of some information that I would absolutely be um, at odds with, but I wasn't. Yeah. Like I, I kind of understood where he's coming from. I understand his reasoning and, um, and, and it seemed to make a fair bit of sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. So it's good, as I said, it's good to get a different perspective. You know, we've had lots of people come on and give it from, I guess, more of a vitalistic, holistic nutritionist perspective. You know, now we're getting a little bit of a different perspective from that sports background and that dietitian side of things. So it's a really good opportunity for people to uh, test their assumptions and have a little bit of a listen in and, and come up with their own philosophy around what they think is right and what works for them. Yeah, absolutely. So just for those of you who are interested, uh, Ryan is the Director of Sports Dietetics and Nutrition uh, for a group called Precision Athletica. He's also 
the head of uh, nutrition for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. He works for the Waratahs as well, which is another rugby club in uh, in Sydney. Um, he's got a passion for helping athletes improve their intake to maximise their performance. And so he's dedicated to making sure that athletes do really well. Um, he's committed his life study to uh, to do a great job with that. And uh, we do talk about food and nutrition and some supplementation in the chat as well. So it really is a thoroughly engaging uh, little chat. Mate, I'm looking forward to chatting with Ryan today. He's sitting outside the uh, the Waratahs at the moment. He's just fled from the Rabbitohs, um, giving them their little dose up of um, nutrition information. He's sitting outside the Waratahs at the moment. Um, and for those of you who don't know who Ryan Pinto is, he's an accredited sports dietitian. Um, and it's interesting because you know, I don't think we've had a dietitian um, on the show before, Bredo. So this will be a really good chat. And uh, he's the head of nutrition at the South Sydney Rabbitohs. So don't hang up this don't hang up just straight away because he's got some great information <laughs> you know and i know that my mate who um is heavily involved in the west tigers could be listening to this particular podcast i'm just saying that ryan just you know he <laughs> might don't give away all your secrets but let us know yeah i won't give away too many too many things uh but uh ryan it is great to have you on the wellness guys um you do a lot of work just tell us um a little bit about yourself and and how you got working um in elite sport Sure. Firstly, thanks for having me. Um, so I guess my first journey started with um, with straight off the back of uni, being interested in food and um, not wanting to go down the chef line, but um, still wanting to go to uni. So decided to study a Bachelor of Nutrition um, and then um, decided that that was it uh, for the time being. So I went and practiced as a nutritionist for a year um, and then realized that to, to work in sports nutrition and work in elite sport, you need further qualification. So then decided to take on the Masters of Nutrition Dietetics. Um, after finishing that, I was lucky enough to, after I guess six months working in a hospital, was lucky enough to work in a private practice and an intern at the New South Wales Institute of Sport. Um, and then it sort of started from there. So from there, um, gained experience. And then my first team was working with um, Parramatta Eels um, about three years ago. And then I made the jump um, to South. Um, this is the second year with South Sydney, and this is my first year with um, the Waratahs. Nice, Ryan. So, you know, there'll be some people out there, maybe some of the girls who listen into the podcast who aren't necessarily into sport, or some of the southern staters. Um, you know, I lived in uh, in Sydney for five years, so I kind of uh, got to know all the rugby teams and stuff. But there'll be a few people going, what's a Waratah? Like, isn't that that pretty red <laughs> flower? You know, what's a Rabbitoh? Yeah. What is a Rabbitoh? What, what are, who are the Tigers? Sure. So, so we're talking about rugby here, if just for those who don't know. <laughs> and uh, and obviously you have a passion for rugby and a passion for, for sports dietitian. What was it? Were you a rugby player in your younger days? Like, is that, or were you just a big fan? Or what made you want to get into sports um, nutrition particularly? Yeah, I guess I was a, a massive sports fan. So um, I wasn't big enough to play rugby, unfortunately, but I was a, a keen soccer and cricket player. So... Um, I went to a sports school, and our school was the feeder club for a Penrith Panthers, which is another rugby league school. So um, I guess we grew up in that environment um, in being around rugby, and um, that was probably my grounding, so to speak. And then um, rugby union is slightly different. Um, it's, a, it's a different sport, but same sort of, um, I guess, very similar in terms of what, what happens. But, yeah, that's probably my grounding in rugby. Nice. Well, that's good. Um, we've uh, over the last few years, and obviously on the back of the Essendon drug scandal, um, which was yeah. huge, right? And obviously with um, Asada getting involved and Wada getting involved and all that sort of stuff, um, the nutrition intake of athletes has had to change, and they've had to be very, very mindful of what actually goes in their body. And there's 
I suppose, varying qualities of what could go into people's bodies. And so you've got some major brands out there that have are kind of putting their name to clubs as to, you know, their ability to supply a um, ASADA-approved supplement, if that makes sense. Have you guys yep. found that it's been challenging to navigate that territory since Essendon stuffed everything up for the rest of the world? Um I guess probably not difficult. It's just being um, – we have to be a bit more careful. Um, so we've always – I mean, whenever – whoever I've spoken to in elite sports, I've been, always been quite careful. But you still get these sort of rogue athletes that might go to the supplement store on the weekend and or they might be walking past one and decide to pop in and, and grab something. And, and now since that Essendon saga sort of came to hand, um, we take an approach, especially for me personally – I take an approach where if, if a supplement isn't batch tested, um, we just don't use it. So it just means that myself, the staff, and the players have peace of mind, and then that way there's no um, there's no grey area. It's either black or white. So it's just about the the batch testing. That's the key thing to make sure that what's on the label is actually in the supplements. But you need to make sure that the supplements are batch tested. That's what you guys are mindful of. Yeah, exactly. So there's a few companies worldwide. So there's one called Inform Sport. Another one in Australia, which is called Hasta, um, and another one in the in the states as well. So, as long as it's run through one of these third party testing facilities, which they test the product to make sure there's no contaminants and um, what's on the label is actually what's in the in the actual supplement. Um, as long as that's got the stamp on it, then that's fine. Hey Ryan, I'm curious about your transition from nutritionist into dietitian because you know Damien and I are chiropractors, and sometimes we have people come up to us and say, "Oh, you're a chiropractor. You know, you wouldn't get along with physios," and they think there's this big war going on, which which isn't <laughs> true. And I think sometimes people think the same thing with nutritionists and dietitians that you know sometimes they seem to have a different sort of philosophy and a different sort of approach and. Sometimes people see that as being a bit of a conflict. So I'd love to hear from your perspective about uh, how and why you went from nutritionist to dietitian, but also what you found in terms of the differences between the two approaches and I guess the pros and cons of each. Yeah, sure. So um, there's definitely that perceived war that um, nutritionists and dietitians just don't get along, but it's it's very false. Um, I guess the main difference that I see is that just in the in the level of knowledge, so from a nutritionist perspective, what I found, and even personally when I was practicing as one, is you understand the the principles of healthy eating and how to and how to lose weight and gain weight, but you don't actually understand um, the the different sort of clinical disease states. Whereas when, within the master's program, um, they teach you everything from the cell up. So in any sort of disease state, what actually happens at the actual cellular level, and then how that sort of progresses to being managed by a dietitian. So that's probably the main difference um, that I found. And and from a practitioner point, I guess the more you study, the more confident you are. But I definitely felt more confident as a dietitian than as a nutritionist when I was practicing. Yeah, just from a knowledge influx. Yeah, fair enough. Hey, uh, let's get stuck into sport and, uh, and performance. Uh, what are the sorts of things that you guys are mindful of? I, I read one of your posts um, on the Eagle uh, Facebook page recently um, that spoke about the need to have protein to manage when you have your carbohydrates to drink 1.5 mils of water for every one milliliter lost. And there's a few great tips that you gave in there, but can we just expand on some of the things that people should be doing um, with their nutrition um, to keep their energy up and to keep their performance up? Sure. So one of the main things, whether it's in my private practice or whether it's with elite sport um, is to make sure that 
for any active individual, they're consuming enough protein. So the first rule is consuming enough of it during the day because that's the main fuel for your muscle. So if you're not feeding your muscle, you're just going to find that you get progressively sore and you start to find that you can't actually complete your sessions. Or even when you are in the gym or you're doing some sort of exercise, you find that you might just be laboring through rather than pushing yourself. So is there one of the main there? things that we teach, yeah, there is. So we normally work on quite specific amounts. So around 1.5 to 1.6 grams per kilo of body weight. Um, if you get that, and that's just individualized to each person's body weight. And then whatever your total figure is, if you can divide that into say three to four, um, ideally five serves, um, you're, you're going to be pretty much spot on with how to distribute your protein across the day um, and, and one of the main things that we always see is that people have their dinner normally right where they have a, a bit of protein there but their breakfast and lunch isn't substantial at all so they'll roll into dinner and be really hungry whereas if you start to distribute your protein put it in the early in the morning at brekkie at lunch maybe mid-afternoon because the gap between lunch and dinner is quite large and then at dinner you're going to find that your hunger levels are uh, taken care of um, a hell of a lot better. So, Ryan, there's been some kind of interesting shifts. You know, you've spoken about the protein there, but I guess in terms of the carbohydrate and the fat ratios, there's been some interesting stuff coming out over the last five or ten years, probably, I guess, led by someone like Tim Noakes over in South Africa where, you know, we've sort of started or some people have started moving from the more traditional carbohydrate-fueled athlete, athletic performance into more of a, a fat-fueled athletic performance. And there seems to be, you know, diverging camps in terms of the recommendations around what to do there. Well, what are your thoughts on that, Ryan? Yeah, so I guess in the in the 80s and 90s, it was definitely um, – you couldn't get enough carb. Uh, when it came to sport, it was always consuming carbohydrate at all times. Um, I think one of the, the main things that a lot of dietitians themselves find funny is that we still used to recommend fat, but back then it wasn't sexy, whereas now it is. So a lot of a lot of the nuts and seeds and avocado, um, it wasn't really thought of as being a food or something that you'd have regularly, whereas now you can't get enough of it. I think, I mean, you paid $22 for smashed avocado on toast. So, um, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's a bargain. What a, yeah, exactly. So one of the main things that um, has changed is that, I guess, the awareness of fat and carbohydrate and and what we do now, we're a bit more specific with carbohydrate and using it strategically. So we'll put it around exercise sessions and around really high-intensity sessions to maximize the performance of the athletes, whereas what people used to do is if they're training in the afternoon, they would still have a really carb-heavy breakfast and they're not actually using it strategically. So that's probably one of the main differences and one of the main shifts that's happened in the last probably 10 to 15 years. Yeah, it's interesting. There's um, There's been so many different uh, swings and changes, but it's interesting because what the media reports as to what the advice is, is quite often not that accurate. Um, it's, yeah, exactly. Not much accuracy within the media at all anymore, I think, anyway. Um, I was just thinking, Ryan, in and around um, other things that you might uh, utilize. So I read that what you do on girl.com.au, I noticed you actually been interviewed on. <laughs> that must have been yep. a ripper for you. Uh, you have a smoothie in the morning because you're pretty time poor in the morning. You eat you know, good food throughout the day and then you go to the gym and you have another smoothie or protein shake to, uh, to finish off your day. Um, in terms of real food, obviously smoothies can be real food, but some people actually just get some protein powder and whack it in with some almond milk and think that they're doing a good job. Um, people will be going wrong if they just do that. What should people be adding to a smoothie to make sure that a smoothie is actually good for them? 
Yeah, so I guess one of the main things is um, working in elite sport means that you don't work your traditional nine to five. So you start work at about 6.30 in the morning. So normally when we're up at about 5.30, I would love to be cooking a nice bacon and egg brekkie, but it's not possible. Um, in, <laughs> can, in you, can, you say that as, can you say that as a dietitian? Are you allowed to say that? Oh, I'd love it. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think most dietitians have not all loved bacon and egg. So, <laughs> oh, good. Um, all right. Good yeah, to hear. Good to hear. Ones, maybe. Um, you're, in, but, you're in with me. That's it. That's good. <laughs> Um, but I guess one of the main things I see people sort of not realize and, and fall down in is that when you blitz something up, you're essentially doing the work for your body. So when you eat food, your body actually takes time to break that food down and then absorb it. Whereas if you're drinking it, the broken down part is somewhat already done. So what we have to do is start to put other things in there to slow down the digestion of that. And that's using things like oats and using things like berries and even LSA mixes and, and types of fat, um, even coming from um, coconut flakes and nuts and seeds where it's just slowing the release of that energy down, which means that you're going to be satiated and fuller for longer. Absolutely. I like that, Ryan. That makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, one of the other things that's become really big, it seems, in sport over the last uh, you know decade or so is really focusing more on individualization. And I think it's just kind of mirrored in health and wellness in general where you know, I think it used to be that, you know, you'd get the football team and they would all do the same exercise and they would all be trying to put on the same diet and get the same recommendations. Have you seen a big shift in that in recent times in terms of trying to customize it and individualize it for the individual athlete? And I guess, how do you go about doing that? How do you go about figuring out what's best for each individual athlete? Yeah, definitely. I think um, from from my time in sport anyway, and being a, a dietitian, which is about six years, it's definitely shifted even within that time. So what we now start to do is base it on each individual from not only from a performance level where we manage their macronutrient target. So someone who's playing every week would be consuming a considerable amount more um, food when it comes to protein, carbs, and fat compared to one of our injured individuals, but even things like their general health. So there's a um, a bit more of a holistic care approach taken nowadays where we look at deficiencies such as vitamin D, iron levels, B12, folate, um, even look at how their liver's functioning, um, just to make sure that from a, a whole body perspective, they're, they're just naturally performing at their best rather than only looking at carbs, fat, and protein and, and almost hoping that the rest is okay. Well, that's a great segue, actually. Thank you so much for doing that for us, Ryan, because I wanted to ask you about B vitamins. Um, and you went straight to it, which is good. So there's been a, a lot of understanding recently because the whole, the whole um, oh, I, nearly, I nearly said the, um, the, the wrong word for it, but let's just say it's the MTHFR gene um, thing. Yeah. Um, if you, you know, write those letters out, it looks like another couple of words. And so I was going to say that, but we can't because this is a, a G-rated show. But um, if you, people are very... I suppose, quick to go and get activated Bs. Do people need activated Bs? And really, what's what's the difference between a standard B vitamin and an activated B vitamin? Yeah, sure. So I guess the main difference is that firstly, if you're deficient in a B vitamin, you should only normally go and buy one if it's on the back of a blood test. So your general GP, as much as people probably hate going for a blood test, but if you're doing that once a year, if you just go to a GP and get your bloods taken, you'll be able to see whether you're deficient or not. And on the back of that, um, most people will normally just go into a pharmacy and pick up a bottle that they have no idea about because 
someone's told them that this gives them energy. But a lot of the time, we can't absorb the normal vitamin D or the form that the normal vitamin B, sorry, comes in. So that's why we need to get activated Bs. And, and what that does is just allows you to boost your vitamin B level up to that range. So once we're within our range, we're going to start to find that our mood's better. We're able to cope with stress a little bit easier as well. And more importantly, we have more energy. So that 3 p.m. slump that a lot of people normally get um, doesn't tend to happen or doesn't happen to as much of a degree as it generally does. Just a quick question and, about that. Uh, no, nah, I typed your message there, Brett. you got to read the messages, mate. Sorry, mate. I'm just going to cut you off right there, Brett. I'm going in there. I've got another question there for Ryan. <laughs> I'm used. To, I'm used to it. Go on. <laughs> hey, Ryan. What What if you're not deficient? Like, what if you're not? What if you're insufficient? What if you're still within the reference range, but um, you can't? But it's you're still not feeling right. So let's say, for example, the reference range is from Melbourne to Brisbane. We need to be somewhere around about the Gold Coast, um, but we're hanging around about Sydney. What if What if you've got that yeah. kind of insufficiency? Your supplementation okay to use there? Yeah, so I guess one of the main things that from an s- elite sport point of view is we don't tend to look at the range and, and, and look at it as a deficiency. So if you're in that lower part of the range, it still means that you're going to be using up and burning through B vitamins when you're exercising and, and we need to start to put that back in our body. So for a lot of people that might be sufficient, but then they're going to change their training protocol or they're going to start to train a little bit heavier or they're going to start to take part in more exercise. Or even just in your general daily life, if you're not exercising and you're starting to find that you've just moved houses or um, you've, you've just had a, a child or your job's become a little bit more stressful, you're going to start to use up these B vitamins and you need to start to put them back in your diet. And more than likely, if you're going to be having a very busy lifestyle, you're not going to be getting it from a very healthy diet. Your priority is normally stuck with something else so that's where supplementation comes into its own it's it's a very quick easy form if you can't get it through food and ideally what we'd probably say is more than maybe once twice a year even if you do have a a healthy diet still check in with a nutrition professional like a dietitian or nutritionist but if you're not able to that's where these sorts of products can come into their own and so you've mentioned the diet there, Ryan. Is that the major reason why people are insufficient in terms of their B vitamins or is stress a really big part of it as well? And if people are thinking their diet might not be quite on track, like what sort of things should they be thinking about to try and keep their B vitamins higher? Yeah, so I guess if we look at food, B vitamin-rich foods are, are really protein-rich foods. So you're looking at your red meat, your things like eggs as well and dairy, and then apart from that, your dark green leafy vegetables. So the general person who's really busy rushing around might have maybe five minutes to jump to their cafe and get a sandwich. They're not going to be getting many of those foods. And if they're dinner again, if they come here late and they're not able to prepare food, again, those foods tend to fall out a little bit. So that's where we start to look at the general stress levels where stress is a huge consumer of vitamin B, of all the vitamin uh, B. So that's where if stress is using it up and you're not putting it back into your diet, you're going to need some extra help. So, so basically, we're talking about a bacon and egg insufficiency. That's what you're saying, right? <laughs> your words, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bretto, you and your, your 
be pigs. I don't know, mate. Poor little pigs. <laughs> hey, uh, Ryan, uh, obviously there's dietary sources of B vitamins. Bacteria in your gut will produce B vitamins as well. We know that, um, yep. but, you know, to varying degrees based on your carbohydrate consumption as well. But uh, what sort of carbohydrates are you kind of recommending these days? Um, I know that uh, one of the rugby clubs um, a couple of years ago uh, all went gluten-free. It was the Tigers, the actually. Ti- was yep. it the Tigers, the West Tigers? Yeah, yeah. Yep. They went gluten-free because their coach was gluten-free. And uh, yep. and there was uproar there. They didn't really like that. I don't know if the dietitians like that either. But um, <laughs> what, what are the sorts of carbohydrates you guys are using uh, from a, you know, a, a fuel source for these players? Yeah, I'd more than likely say at that point in time there probably wasn't a dietitian at the club. Uh, but <laughs> um, one of the main things that we use, and and I'm lucky enough to to be an ambassador for, but even if I wasn't, I'd still be using this is um, a product called Barley Plus, um, and they use a grain called Barley Max, which was developed by the CSIRO, and and that's a very high fiber um, prebiotic, which helps to build gut bacteria. Um, away from something like that, you're looking at just your your whole grain carbohydrates, so things like oats, your whole grain um, rices and pastas, and even bread where like a wholemeal sourdough would be perfect. So really good quality, nutrient-dense carbohydrate that you're able to consume and still feel full for a couple hours after rather than have it and then half an hour later feel like you haven't eaten anything at all. So is gluten something you worry about then, Ryan, or is it not something that's on your radar at all in terms of the athletes? No, not at all. I mean, unless there's um, there's a, a clinical um, there's clinically something going wrong with one of the athletes where you start to see some sort of sign that there may be a problem with a few different types of um, foods that they're consuming, and then you start to investigate further. But apart from that, your gluten based carbohydrate are normally your more nutrient dense carbohydrates. So um, if you're able to consume them, definitely do, especially from a just a wellness point of view. With regards to supplementing with B vitamins, uh, many years ago I went and saw a naturopath, and he uh, he gave me B vitamin. It was Tresos B, and back then Tresos B was you know the tip top. It was the only way to go. Everyone everyone had Tresos B, and uh, and these days there's heaps of different brands around. But I still tend to recommend that people get a practitioner only uh, brand like the Eagle Tresos B. I think that's a fantastic one. Um, is that the the brand that you're using? Is there anything else that you might recommend or is, is that the, the best go-to supplement B wise? Yeah, so we use Eagle products um, at both our clubs and it's just because it is the best. So from a, a B vitamin complex, you, you can't get anything on the market that's better than that. Um, it's, it's changed a little bit probably from when you were taking initially. So nowadays, it, it, apart from just being a B vitamin complex, it's also somewhat like a multivitamin, and that's how we tend to use it with a few of the guys that are clinically slightly lower in vitamin B or B12, but uh, that's probably the best one. And then apart from that, we use a, a few other products from the from the Eagle range as well. What else do you use for these guys? Um, so within elite sport, I guess human bodies aren't um, designed to, to take the battering, especially that, that they take within the rugby sports. So their joints normally take a bit of a beating and, and one of the main things is using their fish oil. So their fish oil um, has been a, a lifesaver. Um, it, it starts to not only reduce inflammation within the joint, but it gets them back on the park quicker, um, which from a performance point of view, that's what our job is. So we use their fish oil. We use um, their magnesium supplement as well. So before bed to help relax the muscles. And I guess one of the main things that people don't know is magnesium doesn't only relax muscles, it actually increases energy production as well so we use that so that they're able to sleep better at night and then wake up and feel better in the morning um and then 
apart from that, we use their curcumin, their curcumin product, which is their curcuvestin. And for guys that are lower in vitamin D um, and zinc, we use their products from a clinical point of view. And so, Ryan, in terms of your recommendation then, if people are thinking that this might be an issue, whether it is the the you know the vitamin B, whether it's the omega-3, whether it's the vitamin D, whatever it is, you're suggesting the best point of action is for them to go and see uh, a health practitioner. Um, I'm guessing you're going to say, uh, you know, ideally a dietitian, perhaps also a doctor, get a blood test, find out where they're at, and then, then they can figure out where to go next. Yeah, exactly. And, and one of the main things is when you go see a nutrition professional like a dietitian uh, or an accredited nutritionist, what, what we do is we look at your diet and we'll analyze it. And, and in our head, there's lots of little sort of equations going on and not only macronutrients, but also whether your, your general diet is sufficient enough to provide you all these vitamins and minerals. And if there's certain symptoms that you might be feeling um, in terms of tiredness and lack of energy, and we can see that also coming through where it's not being supplemented from a dietary point of view, then we'll refer on to a doctor. So it's not always the case where you need to have a blood test. There might be certain things like magnesium, for instance, where um, if you're feeling tired or you've just started exercising and you can't walk up the stairs in the morning, um, a magnesium supplement will definitely help with that. And we can sort of prescribe that on the spot. But things like vitamin D, iron, um, and even B12, a lot of the time you do have to get a blood test just to know where you sit because for iron, for instance, you get the same symptoms as you are if you're low in iron and also when you're really high in iron. So you don't want to go the other way. So these sorts of things need to be tested and monitored. But um, yeah, that's probably, that's probably the main course of action. See a dietitian, go from there. And as a dietitian, is, is your first point of action to try and get them to change their diet or do you sort of go straight to the supplementation and, and worry about that later? I think we're, we're quite flexible. So ideally, it would be from nutrition and from a, a whole food point of view, but we're realistic. And if people aren't able to change their diet and completely overhaul it in, um, in one visit, for instance, we'll tend to recommend a supplement just to get them back into feeling well. And then they're going to start to find that they're going to be, it'll be easier for them to change their diet. But it's more so just working on the person and seeing how, what their lifestyle is like, what their home life is like, and how much time do they actually have, and then going from there. But definitely our first approach is, is food first. Nice. Great to hear. Great to hear. Really appreciate all that information, Ryan. And all of our listeners uh, will have learned a lot uh, today. So thank you so much for your time today, Ryan. And um, people can watch the fruits of your labor and uh, your expertise by cheering on the Rabbitohs or the Waratahs. Um, they just have to flip a coin to see who's, who's going to go there. A um, little tip, well, who do you reckon is going to win the state of origin? How do you think that's going to go? Um, I'm definitely hoping. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of torn where our... Um Rabbitohs captain is the club captain of Queensland, but I'm a New South Welshman, so I'm hoping that New South Wales can pull it off this year. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, there you go. Well, I'll be going for the Maroons, I've got to tell you that, um, just because <laughs> I'm from Victoria, and uh, and it's really important that uh, someone else beats New South Wales, which I really you know, I think that's important for us. Um, and people can, of course, go to uh, facebook.com forward slash Eagle Natural Health to get more information about the Eagle range. It is a practitioner-only range. You do need to see a practitioner to get access to that range. Range, but it is one of the best in the marketplace and uh and and i know i love it i reckon tress is one of the best and uh so yeah go there but thanks again so much for joining us on the wellness guy show ryan we appreciate your time no thanks for having me and um go new south wales <laughs> i love it <laughs> i want him to win now just because damo doesn't <laughs> 
Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of The Wellness Guy Show. We hope you love the new feel. Remember to continue to interact with us and tell us what you thought of this and other episodes. Please head to facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Guys and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. This is the way that we get to share our message with the world. For more information about Bredo and all that he's up to, please head to drbredhill.com.au. And to find out more about me, head to damienchristoff.com. Until we meet again, continue to bring wellness into your life and we'll join you next time on The Wellness Guy Show. This year, The Wellness Summit returns. What is the ramifications for you if you continue to not know where your food is coming from and not make a hard stand about what you're consuming? Back in 1992, I didn't know how to cook. In fact, I ate really poorly, as many of you know. But I now love it so much that when I go to prepare something, it becomes magical. Don't want you to be stuck in the, the crap that's happening. Know it, yes. Be aware of it, yes. But bring your vibration up so that we can vibrate at a higher level and collectively, we might be able to bring everybody up to make those changes. I love preparing it and I know that everyone who's eating it absolutely loves it. Even the bits that they don't want to eat, they love eating them because I love making them. Does that make sense? Cindy O'Meara and Damien Christoph feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.